Wars. Episode 0022. For watching Point Break with a Fast and the Furious, okay? I live my life one corridor of this fucking podcast at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 0022 of the Movie Wars podcast. I guess we must have ourselves an asshole shortage. I'm your host, Kyle. I am a Movie Wars podcaster. <laughs> I'm Drew. You can have any podcast you want as long as it's Movie Wars. I'm Phil. <laughs> yeah, baby. So many great quotes. I don't know how we all picked one, honestly. Young, dumb, and full of cum. I mean, John Steve McGinley crushes this movie. You're just young, dumb, and full of cum, aren't <laughs> you there, honcho he is the gift Nancy? That keeps on giving. I'm going to read a little something, and I don't know who Andy Ryan is. His Twitter handle is It's Andy Ryan, so I'm going to give him credit for this. A little flow chart to help us figure out if we're watching Point Break or The Fast and the Furious, okay? Is the hero a punkish young FBI agent? Yes. Does he deduce that the extreme sportsmen are responsible for a rash of crimes? Yes. Does he track them by going undercover to take part in the sport? Yes. Does he initially target the wrong set of criminals? Yes. Does he fall in love with the waitress in the villain circle? Yes. Does he bond with the main criminal over shrimp in a beach restaurant? Yes. Does he, the gang blow his cover and then coerce him into helping them with the one last job? Yes. Does it go badly and then half the gang gets wounded or killed? Yes. Next box. After the bloodbath, does the hero let the villain go free at the end like some massive idiot? Yes. <laughs> Lastly, is Vin Diesel in it? If yes, you're watching the Fast and the Furious. If no, you're watching Point Break. Ooh. Ooh. They're the same movie. Same fucking movie. You know, we... Perhaps, maybe. Who knows? We will debate this. I want to know, has anyone actually... Has the screenwriter of the Fast and the Furious ever come out, like come clean on this? Like, I just want an on-tape interview. Here's okay. an honest admission. Admission of just like, yo, I fucked with Point Break. I don't know like, if I don't know what to you, tell you were going there with this. Being that me and you, or Drew, are the only ones that have not talked about this yet, did you think they were the same movie? Like, as you were watching them? No. I really didn't. Okay, neither did I. There is a strong Oddly core. Because the vibe is different. The Very is different. Cars and surfing are completely yeah. different, yeah. culturally completely different feels. Maybe we'll touch on that again, but yeah, there's a and very maybe that's why they thought they could get away with it. Well, there's a very strong core, and there's a reason for it, right? We're 22 episodes in. That's a ton of movies we've watched, and we've established patterns and uncovered evolution in films. Oh, we'll go over a couple of those now. One of the things we've uncovered is that a lot of times, and Drew is our matchmaker, but Phil, lately, you've been just knocking it out of the park with matchups. I don't. We'll see when they release and how the numbers do. I I typically don't contribute in this area, but a lot of times the films we pick, one, they make a good pairing because one laid the blueprint for the other. We discovered this with Commando and First Blood. First Blood in 82, the macho one-man army thing, and then later in 85, Commando, it kind of paved the way. And so they're related in that way. Now, we do have a case here where it's possible that Point Break wasn't just influencing Fast and Furious, but it actually was hijacked. But we won't go too far down, but even if it wasn't hijacked, Point Break was special for a lot of reasons. Another thing that we have uncovered on this podcast and that I've learned is that because we've covered so many action movies that there is an evolution in action. Action used to be elemental, right? With Bond films, westerns, it was kind of part of the movie, but it wasn't the centerpiece. I think Dirty Harry, there's a lot of other movies that started coming out, but I, I go to Dirty Harry, Clint Eastwood, started moving that ball along in the 70s, but then you get to the 80s and it's like, action, chis is, action yeah. was the centerpiece, right? Chiseled, jacked, oily, kind of get hurt sometimes, but it doesn't really matter. They're gonna kind of invincible. And then there's the everyman, right? We get Die Hard, Bruce 
Willis is the first entry into that we can have an everyman as an action star. Now that goes to Keanu, but what's interesting is Point Break, that's the only thing it really shares with the rest of the lineage of action movies because what it introduces is what I think is the continued modern framework of action today, which is the extreme adrenaline, the constant action. You know, action, even in some of those earlier films we mentioned, Commando, First Blood, Predator, there's pockets, right? But there's still dialogue, but there's dialogue in Point Break, but it doesn't really take the foot off the gas the entire time. Think about MCU, you know, I, I'm, I would think about some of the newer Superman movies with Henry, Henry Cavill, 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 Cavill. Like, I remember some Superman fights where I'm just like, it's too much. Like, I can't even tell what they're doing, but the expectation is, is now with the CGI age that it's constant, right? But the thing is, is it never feels like too much for me. Like, I feel like some newer movies don't do it as well, um, but I think, I don't know about you guys, but like, we're base jumping, we're jumping out of planes, we're playing beach football, we're surfing, we're that robbing. beach football scene was so long. So good. Did anyone else feel that way? Well, the main takeaway for me, well, two takeaways. Johnny Utah could not be more of a John Mo Joe Montana ripoff name if it tried. <laughs> Second of all, point. they were just like playing football in the sand with like seemingly no boundaries. Yeah, the ocean. Like someone would just natural. like, they'd all agree that the guy would score, but there was like no boundaries, no lines in the sand. It's like, how do we even know where they are? Yeah, and I think they were, I think they were kind of looking to Bodie for that too. Wherever Bodie was, he, he was the rule maker and the rule breaker. Mm -hmm. You know so what I mean? True. But you know, in, I talked earlier about how it's 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 a lot of action. It's insane. But what's the big difference between some of the modern action movies that we see today that kind of depend on this extreme adrenaline framework? I think it's Phil. I love you made a point so long ago based on your own career that really resonated with me, which is the creative gatekeeper. So many of the great movies we talk about almost never happened. You know, Rocky. They didn't have enough money. Like so many great movies. This is a case we almost didn't get the Keanu Reeves we know today. They were so disinterested in Keanu Reeves as an action star. You know, one of the reasons I think this film is the way it is, why it's extreme, but it's also balanced is, you know, they wanted Charlie Sheen. They wanted Val Kilmer. Catherine Bigelow, on the other hand, who directed this and who was married to James Cameron, who executive produced this, Catherine Bigelow was infatuated with Keanu. She didn't really say what it was or what she thought. She just went to, she basically put her career on the line to say that he's going to be one of the next big action stars. Larry Gordon from the studio was like the guy from Bill and Ted. Like, that's all they saw with him. Is like, how could it be possible? So she put her career on the line. And then you have Lori Petty. Lori Petty was not the original choice either. She has amazing chemistry with Keanu, but they wanted a busty, blonde, beach babe in that role. They wanted the prototype, gatekeepers. Lastly, they want they didn't want Gary Busey. So we'll talk about this wow. later. I'm actually, and we're going to interview Peter Iliff, who wrote the screenplay for this on Friday. And he was talking about, so Ridley Scott was the first to buy this property before Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron got it. And Ridley Scott wanted James Garner, which at the time would have been a very safe, you know, co old codger detective thing. That would have been a very safe choice. Gary Busey, a lot of people don't know this, in 1988 had a motorcycle accident without a helmet on, died on the operating table. What? Came back to life. And what he says is that he, this is a quote from Gary Busey. I went to the other side and I came back with information is what he says about Get his- Get out of here. He says that. So, and I think he had what done- What was the information? Everything we see today, my friend. He became a preacher for a little while. He's done all kinds of crazy shit. No, I feel like I want to hang out with him. Oh, you do. You do. And <laughs> what they say in the special features when they talk about him being that role is everyone has a Gary Busey story. That's how they introduce him. So you know it's wow. good. But he was fresh off that accident. He had done, I think, Predator 2 and two other films, maybe three. So they were kind of like, we're going to take a chance on this guy that thinks he went to heaven, came back. So this is photograph. look at Old him. So Drew, for those of you listening, I pulled up a photograph of him. D does he not look like he could play like Joker in his 70s or something? Oh, totally. <laughs> 
And the last point here is why I think Point Break strikes such a... And we are going to talk about the Fast and the Furious, but again, without Point Break, there is no Fast and the Furious. There is no Keanu Reeves. Catherine Bigelow, it's really interesting. There was two different perspectives I picked up on in my research in the special features. Lori Petty, the actress who plays Tyler, said, you would think because she's female, she wouldn't be as into the action, but she actually despised the romance. She was like, when they were doing romance scenes, Catherine Bigelow was like, can we hurry this up? Can we stop this? Can we please get back to action? But some of the other producers also said that Catherine Bigelow was more like her. She did have a feminine touch, and that's why there's subtle layers. That's why it's not just a straight up Arnoldy mm-hmm. action movie because her touch actually did kind of insert these little layers of personality, and it really played into the average Joe element of who Keanu was. So all that to say, you know, this this set the framework for modern action, but it's so special. It's what I like to refer to in with our films that review as the lightning in the bottle thing. Almost didn't happen. We almost didn't get a lot of great things. This movie almost got lost because Ridley Scott lost the property. So many things almost didn't happen, but we have this very special thing that this might be one of the most influential films we've covered in action specifically. I'm not going to say it's a godfather um, or anything like that. I mean, also, if I can make just once again, refer back to the previous episode of which the the number I do not know off the top of my head where I go on my rant about creative gatekeepers and how why do we keep allowing them to gatekeep when they're so often wrong? It is possible that creative gatekeepers have never been more wrong about an action star in Keanu because there is not an actor who's more dedicated to the minutia of looking legitimate than Keanu Reeves. How so? He insists on knowing intimately the weapons he's using on set and being able to fire them accurately and being able to look like he has used a weapon before and at least having like a grasp on the martial arts that he displays on screen. He trains his body and his mind and his practices to look like he knows what he's doing on set, to look like it's natural. And that to me is like, obviously there are plenty of action stars who don't go to those lengths to learn weapons the way he does to learn, you know, martial arts the way he does and to learn certain athletic things the way he does. The dedication that that guy has to his craft, had we not gotten that, imagine a a celebrity world without Keanu Reeves. I feel like he is like the ultimate balance to the bizarre world of celebritydom. And what you're saying is- He brings a a, a humility and an everyman thing that is authentic to what has kind of become a really out of touch sect of society. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great point. I what I love about him is there's like a humility to him. Oh god. And, yeah. and and in all the portrayals of his characters, like most action stars, there's almost like an inherent arrogance in yeah. all of them. Mm-hmm. Even in your Bruce Willis's, like he's there's a cocky, smug, smirky kind of thing, like the FEA mentality, you know, just fuck them all. Like they want to like, be in the middle of yeah. the show. And with Reeves, he seems very earnest in all of his characters. Like he's really just trying to do the right thing. Like that's kind of his shtick, and I think people gravitate toward it. Well, oh, well also what does it take to know that you have things to learn? It takes humility. Like that humility is reflected in everything he does before he gets on screen and while he's on screen. In my opinion, while he's not the best or most dynamic actor, he is an ideal celebrity figure. If you're going to idolize yeah. somebody, so take many that things guy. you you both just said have been affirmed by co-stars. I remember Halle Berry with John Wick, Carrie Ann Moss in The Matrix all say hardest working man on set. Every movie he does, he is the hardest working man for what you said. Secondly, when you talk about his humility, during the special features of Point Break, both John C. Mc 
McGinley and Patrick Swayze both said this about him, that that most actors, no matter how prevalent they are, even if they're a, a second bill or whatever, they want to have that moment where the camera's on them. They're, their goal is to get the lens on them. They both said that Keanu is okay with fading into the background. And Peter Eilif, I was talking to him preparing for the interview on Friday. What he said was is there was a scene where Keanu was actually supposed to say a line of dialogue and kind of take the attention. It was a scene with Swayze and he chose to be silent and he chose not to take that moment. John C. McGinley said, we're all fighting for the camera. Like we want the camera on us. He's like, he's like, Keanu's okay with just letting the camera just come to him. He said, he will be quiet. He will just sit there. You wouldn't even know. He's like, he's okay with everything just coming to him. So this is everything you guys just said that you sensed as fans has been affirmed mm -hmm. by his co-stars, his co-workers. It's pretty amazing. That's really cool to hear. I love it. All right. Experiences, Drew. Yeah. I first saw Point Break two years ago. I think I was like, you know, I watched Speed. I was kind of getting it. I watched Matrix. I was sort of into the Keanu thing. I was like, all right, I got to kind of- Did we watch it together? I think we did. Yeah. I was trying to dive into his catalog a little further and you're like, dude, have you seen Point Break? What a good night that was. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, just a killer movie. Like, <laughs> I just had so much fun with it. And, you know, like it was it's such a, a glimpse into a world that I had just no idea about. Like surfing, mm -hmm. I don't know anything about surfing, but it felt like, I mean, I, I, again, I know nothing about it, but watching the story, you know, the story of the surfer group, it felt authentic. It felt like this is how surfdom <laughs> truly is. Yeah. Which brings me to the next movie, Fast and the Furious. I felt the same way. You know, yes, we're talking about them because the plots are the same, but the settings are completely different. But what I love about it is they're both peaks into cultures that I have no inclination about, you know, like I don't know anything about cars or people who are passionate about racing or car, you know, building cars, fixing cars, anything like that. It's a whole scene and I had no idea. And I think that that's why it was such a cultural phenomenon because there are people all over this country who live it and breathe this stuff and there, it hadn't really been represented well on film yet. And so that was, you know, I think why that movie exploded. But I'll say this one thing about the plots being similar. I'm not a screenwriter, but I think that there's probably quite a bit of formulas out there. And this is not the first time that, you know, two movies have been similar in structure. There's countless examples, you know, look at Dances with Wolves and Avatar and Pocahontas even. Like those are all three the same exact plot, mm -hmm. just incompletely told in different ways. You're right. You know, or F The Fugitive Minority Report are similar. Forrest Gump, Curious Case of Benjamin Button. There's some similarity. I mean, there's a lot of, there's just some film structures. There's only a few genres out there and they all are structured, you know, kind of similarly to each other. And so I, I don't want to give it too much heat for being the same plot. Uh, but at the same time, they are exactly the same in structure, so it's fun to kind of pull it apart. And if The Fast and Furious was a really bad movie, it would be different, but it's not a really bad movie. It's a really good movie. Yep. If it ripped it off and was a piece of shit, it would be different, but it's enjoyable. Because it's an inside glimpse yes. at a culture that you wouldn't be into, like it, surfing. If every boxing movie was like, well, you're ripping off Rocky, it's like, okay, well, not every movie can be Rocky, but we can still talk about boxing. It's also this idea of subject matter, like we can talk yeah. about subject matter from different perspectives. Yes. So, that was really well said. Yeah, that, that was extremely well said. I'll circle back to some of those points with my experience, but I'll start with the Fast and the Furious. If I have like a guilty pleasure movie franchise, it is Fast and the Furious. I love cars. I've always joked like my filthy rich dude thing would be a garage full of all of my favorite vehicles. Then I would drive a different one every day because that kind of stuff just brings me happiness. As a kid who in his early teen years all the way through adulthood, 
Wood was obsessed with Gran Turismo and that whole scene of the minutia of mm. cars and getting into the tuning them. There was a, a me and a buddy of mine when the original Gran Turismo came out would literally sit up for hours every night adjusting the suspension on vehicles for better lap times and just insane <laughs> shit like that. That's so amazing. wow, I honestly don't remember the first time I saw Fast and the Furious, mm. but it was one of these movies where it's like I can acknowledge that this is not the pinnacle of filmmaking. This is not a great movie. The acting is kind of bizarre. Like there are a lot of awkward scenes in it, but man, if it wasn't just such an enjoyable, fun movie, sometimes those kind of movies don't get me, but I think it was the combination of like what me and I'm sure other people would call it car porn alongside the most typecast characters that you can imagine doing cool shit with cars where, I mean, they sold out on like the CGI of the nitrous being pumped into the engines and, you know, just all the cool little details that people who love cars would just geek out on. It was just a really fun movie to watch for for me who was already just deeply into vehicles. And so Fast and the Furious is honestly one of my favorite movies of all time. While I fully recognize it is not a great film. Point Break, oddly enough, I happened upon a couple, it was about a year ago I watched it for the first time and it was because, you know, give credit where credit was due. I was reading something on Reddit and they tied Fast and the Furious to Point Break and then I followed this whole subreddit on Fast and the Furious being the same (laughs) as Point Break. And I was like, well, now I have to watch this movie. Like, yeah. And so I did. And I was like, huh, okay, I see where they're getting that. And like what Drew said, I can see why. I mean, it's more, I think, comical to say that they're the same film because there are these large plot points and pivot points in the movie that you could say, yes, this is the same. Yes, they may have stolen these waypoints in the movie from Point Break. But I watched them literally back to back, like on the same day for this episode. And knowing that they share a lot of similar waypoints and plot points, they still didn't feel like similar movies to me. I agree. They they were very, very different in vibe and execution and pacing. And they both stand alone and stand really strong on what they do well. And also on, on the kind of subcultures they represent. And so, you know, like Drew said, there are only so many formulas you can tap into. And I feel like they both kind of found their groove and, and really took the whole like cop infiltrating a crime organization and then kind of experiencing a little Stockholm syndrome that both the movies did it really well. Yeah. Do they share plot points? Yeah. But are they the same film? No. Great thoughts. I know for me at first, I thought the Fast and Furious, like, I was like, there's no way this is based on reality. And then I watched the special features and they like went out of the way to cast actual racers. All those extras in a lot of those scenes are actual racers, people that, that they go all races. had driving. A lot of those guys mm-hmm. were doing the stunts in the cars and had yeah. their own train, like went through significant training to drive like that. Yeah. And they just rambled on about how they paid great homage to their culture that they have been a part of. And they actually said it was, it was pretty accurate. So that was pretty cool. Well, the single thing that I love about both these movies is the two, is the kind of affection that I felt for both the protagonist and the antagonist. Mm -hmm. They were both so likable and so charming. And you were kind of like spun up that tension in you, you know, you're like, ah, but he's a bad guy, but like, is he the bad Mm -hmm. guy? And like, you're you know, the whole time you just, you love love Paul Walker, but Vin Diesel is so freaking charming and likable too. You just, you yep. pull for that guy because you hear his story yeah. and he's been through and his family and... And he cares about his family. You know, and similarly with Point Break, you're like, oh, there's no way he's a bad guy. Like, he's like kind of zen with the universe and surfing his, his outlet. Like, he's a good guy and like, he's cool with, you know, Keanu dating his ex-girl and like, you know, yeah. there's just good vibes and you're pulling for all these people and then it then that tension happens when it's like, oh no, this is not going to work. Yeah, both yeah. movies, they really innovate 
activate on the front of, and we've talked about this, I think it was with Heat, bad guy, good guy, same person, just separated by a badge. Yes, and that's why I think the ending, the payoff is so strong because it's like the filmmakers are like kind of tipping their hat at the audience. Like, I know you like both these guys. Yep. So instead of one of them like getting killed or whatever, like the, the good character, quote unquote, that you're supposed to pull for kind of like turns at the camera and winks at you, so to speak, to say, I, I like him too. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I want him to win. Like, obviously in Point Break, spoiler alert, he dies, but like, it wasn't at the hands of Keanu. Right. So I love that similarity that those two films Well, it share. was because, I mean, throughout the entire movie, uh, Patrick Bodie was like, um, I, could, I, I can't be in a cage. Like, his life is on the water, in the waves. And so, like, being that Keanu had that respect for him, he allowed him to die doing the one thing he's wanted to do his entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Swayze sell right. that? Oh my God. When Dude, he says, Swayze... I can't make a cage, and then when he handcuffs him, he freaks out, and it was so authentic. Like, I remember rewatching him, like, he actually is feeling the emotion of being locked in a cage and not being able to surf. Like, what a loss. It's like sticking a splinter in what his What a eye. loss to Hollywood, man. I know. Swayze was a. <gasps> It just occurred to me that both of these films have beloved yeah. actors that we lost to earlier. The main, yeah, Paul Walker and Patrick Swayze. Like, I thought about how, like, watching Point Break, oh, Swayze, we lost him. And then I thought about, yeah. <laughs> you know, watching Fast Fury, I'm like, oh, Paul Walker, oh, we man. lost him I mean, too early. Like, but I had, yeah. it hadn't occurred to me yeah. that, wow, both these Rest movies. Rest in peace to two greats. Deeper, man. deeper personal experience. Uh, I'm usually not affected by celebrity deaths, but Paul Walker was one of them, man. When he died, that was, I don't know why. I just had emotions. But you told me, me when you, you, you were texting me about that, because you told me he was uh, a lot like Keanu. He's a really, like, Dude, outside of film, is one, known like, as a good, good guy. Yeah, and but the funny thing about Paul Walker is that didn't come out until after he died. Then after he died, it came out like, this guy literally would spend his free time overseas, like, taking care of children mm -hmm. and feeding kids and digging wells and doing all these things that no one just, no one knew he did. And he you was mean, very did humble, good deeds quiet anonymously? Dude. What's that? Someone did good deeds anonymously? Right, yeah, exactly. Weird. Yeah. Well, and that guy got so, he got so much shit for being a terrible actor. Because he was not a great actor. And but yeah, who, but who cares? Like, he's a fucking movie star. He's what we needed. He is. He's, you pull for him. He is likable. He's entertaining. That's what you want in a movie mm -hmm. star. Like, Especially the cares? genre of action. Yeah. That's exactly. what we demand of our stars in action is that even though yeah. they're not great actors, they are who they are, right? And going, I we mean, can. look at, I yeah. mean, here's our Arnold, Arnold reference yeah. for, the, for the episode, <laughs> but like, literally just, I mean, say that. You, are we just gonna shit on him because he's a bad actor or he has bad English or what? No, he's like what a gift to the world Arnold Schwarzenegger was. Yeah, know? and like, people really, really shit on Paul. You guys Walker. tried to make me cry. No, people <laughs> really gave Paul Walker a lot of shit when he was mm -hmm. alive. And um, I re remember even after he died, some of the comments that people would make about him and his acting. And I'm like, well, one, a man died and you're a piece of shit. And mm -hmm. two, have you not seen this guy? This guy was like a, a freaking angel, like mm -hmm. the way he treated others. It, mm -hmm. He was like the other side of Keanu, just no one knew about it, mm -hmm. you know? Speaking of angels who treat others so well... Kyle, I want to hear your experiences. Yeah. With yeah. Fuck your experiences. Well, I had I was going to do a little jokey thing about Fast and Furious, but because you guys have enlightened me so much, I don't feel like I can do it now. Listen, man, Point Break, it was one of the quintessential movies as a kid. My uh, I've talked really? about my dad. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. This is, um, it, it was Bill and Ted is where I first saw Keanu. I used to watch Bill and Ted a lot and then Point Break. My dad used to pirate, you know, uh, VHSs. He would record VHS, so he'd rent a tape. He's dead, so have fun chasing him down. 
VHS police. I mean, I had five rotating movies on VHS. It was RoboCop, Terminator, Terminator 2, Alien, and Point Break. And I would just, and you guys wonder how I've seen these movies so many times. I literally just had these random handful of VHS tapes that my dad would just record in. And we didn't have cable. We didn't have anything. We just had a VHS player. So I would just put these movies in. I watched The Crow every other week because it was one of my VHS tapes. I would literally just blindly put them in and just whatever came up, like, Point Break today. Keanu be wow. my teacher. Uh, wow. <laughs> so it was one of those movies that just I fucking watched all the time. And one of the crazy things about watching it for the podcast is just like a lot of other movies we cover, when I was young, loved it for the action. As I got older and watching it today, I was like, Patrick Swayze played the fucking hypocrite guru Robin Hood guy. And that hair. He was so energetic. He, he was. had so much gravity. In a movie where, you know, Keanu gets shit, kind of like Paul Walker for not being the best actor, which is, I refute. Patrick Swayze just as an adult, I'm like, God, he's acting his ass off. He was fantastic. Fantastic. In that film. Yeah. I love the I yeah. love the it's one of my favorite character character archetypes, which is the the hypocritical Robin Hood, you know, blessed by stealing type. Almost that cult leader yes. thing. Who's done it better well, than Patrick who, Swayze? And who wouldn't want to get behind that? Like I know. He yes. he sells his vision effortlessly. Yes. Like, very charismatic, very charming. Yeah. So, and this was another Phil Phil recommendation, man. Phil, I think we've done three Phil matchups in a row. This was great. I When you said Point Break, I couldn't wait. I watched it another two times for this podcast, and I did it willingly and enjoyably. Now, Fast and Furious. <laughs> I, I'm okay with admitting this. I, I have a streak of snobbery in me that's evaporated over time, and this podcast <laughs> has helped a lot with that. But... <laughs> Fast and Furious came out when I was in high school. I remember not really wanting to see the movie, but I here's what I saw. Did you guys see this in high school? It was when I started seeing cars at high school pull in with spoilers <gasps> and exhausts yes. and modifications, new headlights. I'm like, that's a fucking Is that what Honda. that was? That, yes. Dude, yes. That's what Fast it was. Fast and the Furious oh literally. Oh my God, that's right. Because I was, I went, I started high school in 2003. Yeah. So that would have been during this craze. Fast and the Furious yes. made that mainstream. It was, always going on. Like, Fast and the Furious doesn't get credit for tuner culture, but it gets credit for making tuner culture everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, everywhere for a long time. Yeah, and I just remember being like, what the hell is this? And then I finally put two and two together. I was like, this is because of that movie. And so I watched it, kind of whatever. I was really into, like, specific music, and I was kind of a snob with music, too, so I kind of thought it was like the Nickelback of, mu of movies, but now I, like, appreciate Nickelback because I think they're incredible pop, you know, whatever you want to say for yeah. all that. But watching it for this, I kind of went in thinking, what am I going to think about this movie? And I really enjoyed it. I, I, That's the thing with Fast and Furious. We won't tell the Academy, I Kyle. have a secret for you guys. I really liked it. I fucking loved it. I was expecting, I was like, oh, it's a point, it's a point break is my fucking movie. It was my childhood movie and it ripped it off. And I'm like, first of all, yeah, it ripped it off. But Drew said it perfectly that yeah. there are only so many formulas. And Fast and Furious, it may have ripped off elements, but it didn't do a bad job. It's fun. I didn't want to like Vin Diesel. All of a sudden I'm like, he's, I love he's Vin Diesel in so this. so fun in that movie. Paul Walker. He's really likable. Paul Walker is not a bad actor. You know, he doesn't, he's, he's just like Keanu. He's not that dynamic. Mm -hmm. But he, do you guys notice he has that kind of glob? Glossy eye, kind of angelic, kind of lost in thought look. Like it works really well in this. Well, another yeah. thing that I love about uh, Paul Walker's character in that movie is he plays a guy who even gets a lot of shit in that movie and just takes it in stride and just kind of has a smile on his face. It's not a shitty smile, but like when Vin Diesel's kind of dressing him down after he loses that race for like, you know, blowing out his car and driving it improperly, he's just sitting there with a smile on his face and has like a lighthearted, friendly comeback for it and just disarms everybody and makes yeah. him. 
mm-hmm. fan, you know? It's I always loved that about his character. And also, yeah, I like yeah. when he, like that first race when he lost, like he yeah. just hopped out and you're like, you expect him to be like fit pissed or whatever. And he was just like, bro, I almost, I almost had, had you. I almost had you. Yeah. <laughs> and just he like, did really good. boyish charm. Yeah. And I think what these movies really have more in common than the script is, or the screenplay is, they know what they are. What makes them so good is what makes every action movie really good, which is they know what they are. They don't take themselves seriously. And you, they know that you expect to have a good time watching it. And they both do that. And that's what good action films are for, right? So kudos to both. Randos. I was trying to do a car there. Can you do a car better than me? Randos. Wow, Phil was the worst. And now you're a car guy. Yeah. I was looking for I the. Know, di- I like. I know what you were going for. Yeah. I was looking for the dying raccoon in we the room. We were like, like, we were redlining there. That's, okay. Anyway, is that what that was? Yeah, sure. I, dri- I drive a Camry. I've never even approached <laughs> the red yeah, line. You've never like, gone above three thousand RPM. <laughs> I'm a failed comedian who drives a Camry. That, <laughs> yes, it's all about gas mileage. You got to talk about Arnold and being a failed comedian. I get forty two on a flat highway. So go fuck yourself. That's right, baby. I really do. <laughs> so it's really interesting. One thing I didn't know about Point Break was it actually had a very tumultuous um, life as a screenplay. Peter Eilif wrote it. He was waiting tables at the time. Um, the studio paid him $6,000, and originally Ridley Scott had the rights to it. And he wanted James Garner as the Pappas character, and they were thinking Charlie Sheen, because Charlie Sheen was so hot shit off Platoon. Um, and they wanted Johnny Depp, so they were looking at all the stars, but they started building sets, and for months they were building sets. And I think Peter Eilif talks about this in the special features. They've spent five months building sets for Ridley Scott's Point Break, and then they lost all the funding they went bankrupt they or columbia lost the option on the screenplay and so he said they tore down all the stuff they had been working on for months they tore down in one day <laughs> all the sets oh my so gosh. four years later uh, james cameron and which for a lot of people who don't know he's the executive producer on this thing and he I, I don't know if he's married to Catherine bigelow during the time but and they picked up the option and uh that's how we got what we got today amazing johnny utah is an ode you're gonna love this drew johnny utah's name is an ode to joe montana yeah! You yeah. nailed it. <laughs> you did nail it. I never even thought of that. And you're like, I'm pretty sure it's Joe Montana. But it turns not, out you're right. Not just a name, though. Not just because it's a J name in a state. Um, because <laughs> Joe Montana is kind of considered an everyman. And Catherine Bigelow <gasps> said, I like the idea of relating From to From California. Everyman. Could mm-hmm. see him playing on the beach. Totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It checks out. Love that. Producer Peter Abrams fought Catherine Bigelow on casting Keanu. We talked about this a little bit earlier. But Larry Gordon, the same guy that eavesdropped on Arnold during Commando because he didn't like that he didn't speak great English. Same guy, Larry Gordon, fought because he was like, you want the Bill and Ted guy to be our action guy in our $80 million action movie? Um, But, and I didn't make up this word infatuated. This was in the special feature. Some of the producers said that she was literally infatuated with Keanu and just had this weird feeling that he was going to be the next action star, one of the big next. And, I mean, it makes sense her marrying James Cameron because James Cameron... She was very wrong, obviously. Yeah, very wrong. I mean, James Cameron has a little eye for talent, wouldn't you say? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's probably why they got along, right? Um, So I just want to say thank you, Kat. Catherine, for, for making me a lifer and for making one of my favorite all-time life heroes. Thank you, Catherine. And also, what a career she's had. Zero Dark Thirty, uh, Hurt oh, Locker. Yeah. Damn. That Great girl. movies. I love this rando. Swayze talks about this in these special features. He worked with Keanu Reeves on his very first movie he starred in with Keanu. 1986, a movie where the lead actor was Rob Lowe called Young Blood. It was about a Canadian hockey team. It was Keanu's first feature film. I think he had done commercials and some TV. His first feature film, Patrick Swayze was in it. Hold on. Wow. So Keanu, Swayze, and Rob Lowe were all in this movie? Yep. 
Oh my god! About a Canadian yeah. hockey team. I kind of want to see that because Keanu is a Canadian. That's probably why he got casted because he sounded like more like a Canadian. I then. don't like hockey though. Too much man yeah. hotness in one movie. Like, Nothing can be hell? perfect, right? If it were Johnny Utah in a football movie, yeah. oh, I'm in. If you Ohio got, State Buckeye, I love it. I love it when um, when Bodie figures out that he is Johnny Utah and he's like he tackles his ass in the beach and everyone's trying to defend him. He's like, "This is fucking Johnny Utah." Like, yeah. He goes to defend him. That's I, when I was yeah, like, and everybody on the beach, no way, dude! I loved you in that one game where you got yeah. your ass kicked. Isn't yeah. that where you kind of flip and know Bodie is a guy that you you can't help but cheer for when he like defends him even though he just whopped his ass into the yeah you're like I hope this isn't the bad guy and then Please. he's like he befriends him like oh good he's not the bad guy make it the other really bad actors I, this made me love Swayze even more during those scenes where he got tackled he actually did blow his knee out oh no but he didn't want to stop filming so at the end of every day from there on out until it healed he had a doctor drain his knee at the end of the day Ooh. and he would go back to filming these intense action scenes oh my scenes. god what a guy. Wow. Well, mm -hmm. that speaks to Phil's point about commitment to yeah. physical whatever. Was that Swayze or? Swayze. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, Swayze. I'm in sorry. The scene I, where Keanu were, tackles I was thinking him. Reeves when he said Good that. God. Reeves would do the same thing. Reeves would do. Well, he did. I mean, he had a, a neck fusion surgery for Matrix. Yeah, twice. Yeah. He, he messed it up during for, filming, so he had to redo it. Good God. I love these Those guys. guys are hard as hell, dude. It's like yeah. when Peyton Manning had surgery and the Colts were like, all right, we don't need you anymore. Your neck broke. And then he went and broke every quarterback record on the planet. With, with his broken yeah. neck. With no, his shout out to Peyton Manning. Now people shout don't show up to work. I mean, Peyton Manning's no Johnny Utah, but. And yeah. do you think Michael Bay is going to get his knee drained? I was going to say, uh, now, now people don't show up to hey, work because they're hey, sad. Hey. Just, so. <laughs> um, one of my, I love number Rambo. Rambo oh. <laughs> I love number randos. Remember when Peter Weller took 50 times to catch the keys in Robocop mm -hmm. during that scene? John C. McGinley, by the way, who is a fucking national treasure in this movie and in every National movie, treasure, period. He's Scrubs, incredible. are you kidding me? That walking scene, and my quote earlier from the asshole shortage, young, dumb, full of cum, that took 50 times because he said walking and talking and delivering that much speech for him. And I think he was never, he was never really a lead actor. In fact, was this his, his most lead role that he's had? Like in, in terms a, of- In a movie, yeah. Well, I mean, Scrubs, he did, what, eight, se eight nine seasons of that show being the hardest hard-ass ever? And he said you wouldn't believe actually how surprisingly hard it is to walk and talk, stay on pace with the camera, and deliver this hilarious speech, you know, yeah, while walking marks, through corridors. Yeah. And it was actually, it was a new camera technique, and I'll get into this later, but they used a new kind yep. of camera, so actually they were, this is the first time they'd use this, it's called the Pogo Cam. Um, and so was they, that not a one-shot at the beginning of that movie? It looked like a single shot it may a have single been. take. I wish I could confirm it. it, may have it been. I wonder if that was one of the OG walk and talks. Dude, because that, yeah. that inspired like the Aaron Sorkin West Wing thing where yeah. like they're always walking through the West Wing Good doing reference. these long talks. Like I'm curious if that was like one of the I need to go on a whole West Wing thing. I've never watched it. That's good. It's really uh, good. Is it right? It seems like it's it my good. so yeah. well written. Last rando for point break, and I had to limit we almost got into a taxi driver situation, but instead of fifteen, I just did seven. Um <laughs> fair enough. So Gene Wilder was one of the stunt coordinators and all Gene the Gene Wilder? His name was Gene Wilder. It's not oh sorry, oh. Glenn Wilder. Wilder. I, I just had a subconscious. Sorry, Van Wilder. Van Wilder. <laughs> Gene Wilder. Fucking Willy Wonka. Sorry, Glenn. Glenn the guy from the, the guy from the NASA thing. Oh no, it's good. <laughs> so Glenn Wilder was a stunt coordinator, and all the actors wanted to do their own stunts. As we all know, Keanu loves to do his own yep. stunts, and this is kind of where he started doing that. And so what he did was he was like, he what he said to the actors, if you're going to do your own stunts, you got to put the work in. So on the weekends in between filming, they had to go with him to a location and train and practice Love fights. It. And so and he said, this is hilarious to me, especially as a music lover. Everybody did this except for Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> and so when they started filming, Anthony Kiedis found out that he was going to be the first person knocked out in that fight scene 
with the lawnmower and that mm-hmm. naked chick beating him. He's like, I don't want to be the first guy knocked out. And so from then on out, Anthony Kiedis was like first in, first out at these weekend rehearsals. So he didn't be the first guy knocked out during the wow. fight. Wow. Isn't that amazing? How horrible is Anthony Kiedis in this movie? <laughs> He's about as good as their 15th record. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, hey, shots. Stadium Arcadia. Oh, Michael what? Bay, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, we're just lining them up they and assassinating. Fought, they, they lost John Frusciante. He almost died to heroin. They got him back, and then they replaced him with some guy with a neon ball cap. Fuck that. Flea still hasn't found clothing. That's a whole other podcast with neon ball cap guy. Randos for the Fast and the Furious. It's the Fast and Furious. I probably will stop saying the. It's all good. Halfway through the podcast. No. Fast and no Furious yeah. is the fourth movie. So we talked earlier about... Wait, the, it is? Yeah, there's The Fast and the Furious, then two others, and then the fourth movie is called Fast and Furious. They just got sick of it. What? Yeah. I will be watching the other ones, that by the way. That is lame. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, they did I'm a sure terrible the job great, of naming but that is some bullshit naming. Is it more bullshit than calling a Rambo First Blood 2, even though it's not the first blood, it's the second blood? I mean... Well, at least they corrected the wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're like, shit, we should have called that Rambo. <laughs> this has got to be Rambo 2. They finally figured First out blood also. And then, of course, like when, Third the, blood. You know, when they made the remake, or, what, or not the remake, but the 2008, they had to call it Rambo. So we talked a little earlier about how a lot of the extras were actually racers, people that were around race culture. Um, for the race war scene that took place in the desert area, 1,500 import cars were brought in. A lot of people driving their own race cars that Amazing. they owned and volunteered to drive for the film. Thousands of extras. Um, and they went out of the way to get actual street racers and people that supported racing. So that's really cool. That actually solidified why I like this movie. I was like, this seems like it's hyperbolic and over the top and that nobody actually does this. And then all the extras are like, no, this is a real thing. This is what we do. It is and that's real. why we came out for the film. There's a it lot was of weird... Just crazy enough it felt like it could be real. There's a lot of weird shit in that film too that you'd think is not real or not possible that is real and very possible. And like the you know, a muscle car going up on its back wheels. The only thing that was not believable is all the incredibly attractive women. Yes. It's like, there's no way. All these women <laughs> I, are just like freaking models. Like, I have a category for that. I'm like, what high school prom did they hit up for these extras? I was like, what the <laughs> hell? And how, how many people wear midriffs every day? Post-90s, man. All right, Rando. So Rob Cohen, you remember the scene where the pizza guy pulls up and he can't get through? That's Rob Cohen, the director. And they oh, put, no yeah, way. Yeah, he pulled up. Goddamn and, street racers. I was kind of ashamed that I, I didn't, his name didn't ring a ring a bell, but he produced The Running Man, which is one of my favorite Arnold movies. He directed Dragon, the Bruce Lee story that came out in 1993, which is a really good movie about Bruce Lee. Have you guys seen that? No. Really well done. It's actually kind of more about his inner, inner demons and the stuff he worked hmm. through, but he directed that. I used to love that movie, so it was kind of cool. Roads closed, pizza boy. Find (laughs) another way home. That was Rob Cohen. Um, So stunt coordinator Mick Rogers created something called the Mick Rig. So one thing that they struggled with is how do we make these scenes really fast and get the actors in the cars? So one thing he did, so there's another rando for this about how they actually train the drivers, but it's instead of it being a platform, because it used to be for race scenes, they would put the top of a car on a flat platform and pull it behind a vehicle. Mm -hmm. Too slow. He created like a trailer. It was almost like a, a van where the back was removed. It's called the Mick Rig after Mick Rogers. And they would put the car perfectly framed and snug inside of this framework so they could safely tow the driver when they're not doing stunts and stuff and go 
go at optimal speed. So it allowed them to go even faster. So that's why some of the, the driving race scenes with the celebrities mm -hmm. are actually really realistic Crazy. because of this thing that the this stunt coordinator and they still use this technology he created and it's pretty no cool. Way. Last rando and I love this. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster, the two the two ladies, you know, Dom's sister and love interest. Uh, in real life, the actresses never had a driver's license at all. Again, <laughs> Mick Rogers and he wow. also did the stunts for Iron Man too for Braveheart and a Mel Gibson's Apocalypto. This guy's got an amazing career. He's well well touted. <laughs> um, so he started training them with Formula One cars. So it's crazy in the special features watching Jordana Brewster, who had never had a driver's license, all of a sudden she's doing these crazy tail whips and spins. Like within a couple of days, he had these chicks with no driver's license freaking doing real stunts. But they also said Paul Walker, because he had a little bit of experience, like everyone said immediately Paul Walker was an ace. Like he never had an issue. They put him behind the wheel of a Formula One car and he just fucking got it. Wow. So God rest his soul. Shall we break into war? Uh, point break into war? Vroom, 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 vroom. Race into war? Shall we drive to war? What's another good one? The war and the warrius. <laughs> All right. Uh, last time I did a what? southern accent, how can you summon the iPad? Hey, Drew, summon the iPad. Oh, sorry. Top Bill K asked. He lives his life in iPad surgery to time. Hope when we blow up, we don't have to give a cut of the revenues to iPad. He's kind of taking a little bit of the glory. I think Apple's doing okay. <laughs> Uh, top bill cast for I mean we'll just let's just keep it the duos right yeah yeah Patrick Swayze Keanu Reeves versus Vin Diesel and Paul Walker Ooh. Kyle oh you want me to start what you think <laughs> I mean anybody want to guess <laughs> no, I mean I I know listen, I know where you're going with this listen going into the movie having seen this movie and, and not exaggerating probably hundreds of times in my life um, this was a Keanu movie but as an adult this Patrick Swayze man the like I said earlier the hypocritical guru Robin Hood save the world through crime surfer guy he's he's got the physicality like He's not so jacked that you think he's overdone, too. That's another thing we didn't say. He was jacked, mm -hmm. but he wasn't like Arnold jacked. Like, he was believably, he looked like a surfer. Um, he was so natural. Yes, and he, very. You could tell he loved playing this role. He was coming off Ghost, which was a romantic drama, which is a, was a huge movie at the time. You know, and he he took this role, and it's really interesting pivot from that type of role. I, I think he crushed it. Obviously, I love Keanu. We don't have to go there. This goes, this goes point break. Philip. In spite of the fact that I am a hardcore Fast and the Furious lifer, I go point break here because it's, I mean, to me, it's just undeniable that is the stronger cast. The performances were better. Patrick Swayze alone could carry this category, but I don't, I also don't want to say that without giving props to Vin Diesel, who, I mean, I feel like he's another one who gets a lot of shit for no reason, mm -hmm. uh, maybe because the he pacifier. is named Vin Diesel, but... Um, he did the pacifier on purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Maybe because he's named Vin Diesel. Yeah. His last Vin name is a fuel that I can't Diesel. put in my Camry. Um, I, for what it's worth, I thought he was really good. Mm -hmm. Like legitimately yeah. sold it. And you, you believed him as Dominic Toretto and, and you believed the soft side and the hard side of him and he sold it really well. And Paul Walker played his character really well. But I mean, you can't deny that. I mean, you've got Keanu and Patrick Swayze in a movie. That is the winning cast. Not only were their, are, were their careers and their careers continue to be more prolific, but Patrick Swayze's performance was unbelievable. And Keanu, I, I don't really think any of his performances are unbelievable, but he's always good enough and he's entertaining, similar to Paul Walker. So I go point break. Yeah. I mean, I, I echo what you guys say. I think the point break is the better performance <clears throat> for sure from, from both of them. 
I really, I really enjoyed Fast and the Furious. I Same. love those guys. Like they're so likable. I really, really was pulling for both of them. So I definitely, man, definitely no disrespect to those guys. But I mean, Keanu, you got, you know, this feels like kind of like Brady's early Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. You know, he did Bill and Ted's and then he did Point Break and then he did Speed. Like this was like that yeah. second Super Bowl he's ring. It's like, yeah, like he's just getting started. Like this was his first sort of like, holy shit, this guy's a, you know, he's a baller. This is years removed from the Matrix. Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> I mean, Matrix and John Wick is another era. Like, he's yeah, yeah. he's reinvented himself several times, but, like, this was kind of that first era. So I, I love Keanu for that. And Swayze. I mean, mm. you know, Ghost and Roadhouse, and, like, he, he is a legend uh, in and of himself. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll go point break. Before we move to best supporting, Keanu, one of the reasons for all of the things that people say about his acting, like, he has, he is a generational guy. Like, he has, he's sewn together four decades of prevalent movies. I mean, he goes point break to speed, then The Matrix, which changed film, and then he oh, did, yeah. does John Wick, and John Wick, which is, although a simple premise, people are obsessed with John Wick. It's I mean, freaking cool. That's every so decade, cool. he's like, how am I going to stay relevant and he doesn't even try. It's just people want to work with him. He's like, well, how can we keep Keanu relevant this year? How about John Wick? Okay, perfect. I just love that about him. So Best supporting cast. Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster, Rick Yoon, Chad Lindbergh, and uh, well, Ted Levine should get a shout out. Point break, Gary Busey, Lori Petty, John C. McGinley. And I think that that's really all that matters. All right. Drew, what do you think? Uh, For me, it's got to be Point Break. This goes to Point Break, too, just because Busey and McGinley are just too, I mean, both of them are just... Electric. <laughs> yeah, like they're, they're, I don't know, they're like punchlines to their own joke. I don't know, they're just like... <laughs> That's good. I think of them almost like a Jeff Goldblum, you know, like just like that weird, like, I mean, you, you called it a national treasure or Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned, you called them an institution or whatever. Like there's just like, (laughs) they're just like a thing in society that everyone's like, oh yeah, fucking Gary Busey, you know, (laughs) like John McGinley, icon. Like, yeah. And have they done anything really to earn that? Like in a leading role? No, but it's the, it's the roles that they, what they add to the the projects that they're a part of. Mm -hmm. It's always valuable and it's always entertaining. So I'll go point break. Love it. Phil. I have to go point break here too, mainly for Gary Busey. He was really, really great in the role as Angelo Pappas and played the like, been there, done that, fuck all this shit, but I kind of still really care guy. Like played him really well. And once again, that's not to take away from the Jordana Brewster, Michelle Rodriguez thing. Like Michelle Rodriguez is hard as hell in that movie and plays like that just loving, but like kick-ass girl girlfriend who is not going to take any shit or put up with any shit. And Jordana Brewster plays like, she's just super believable as just this sweet Italian chick. Yeah, she's great. But the sucky thing about Fast and the Furious in this matchup is like on paper, the the star power in that movie doesn't really measure up to point break. But they were still great performances. But yeah, I give this a point break also because I mean, Gary Busey and and John McGinley, he's amazing. Yeah, And, And everything he's in, if it's for five seconds or entire seasons he's a he's brilliant hell he was in seven he was the guy on the helicopter he played california the guy yeah looking you know great he's just so random i can't really say anything more than you guys did i think mcginley is a guy that this makes me want him to have more roles like this just because is it over the top yeah but it's hilarious it's delivered well him and keanu balancing each other out in their scenes you can't just chill dude and he's just kind of like never stop smiling over the top we got an asshole shortage i mean (laughs) those lines were written but he 
delivered them. Oh, he I mean, del- that's his thing. He delivers. Yeah, they were written, and then he, Babe Ruth, knocked that shit out of the park. Oh, but we didn't we didn't talk about Lori Petty. I could. Uh, I loved her. Uh, she was good. She was good. I could. I, I loved to me, her. she was interchangeable though. I don't Ooh. think she dominated so hard in that role that yeah, you throw somebody else. else uh, feisty sporty chick. Name another feisty sporty chick uh, that acts as well as she does. Five. Sandra Bullock. Four, I mean, no, she's not sporty what? enough. Yeah, not sporty is. enough. Not sporty enough. In two thousand one. I mean, you could throw. I don't know. Demi Moore, Hillary Swank. Del- I mean, yeah, any of these she kind of has that Demi Moore vibe. Hillary Swank, for sure. Is Demi um, Moore sporty? Yeah, dude. Really? G.I. Jane, homie. Maybe I don't know what sporty is. <laughs> yeah. Sporty I mean, Spice. Sport, sporty Spice. She would have been great, too. I disagree. Fucking I think Carrie Ann Moss. Same yep. person. Yeah. The point is interchangeable. The part, yeah. Mm. The, Michelle the, Rodriguez is actually more distinct to me. I think we need to just end this movie wars right now. <laughs> I'm offended. I am triggered. I love Lori Petty. Um, but what no, I get it. Lori Petty done? In the Army now with Polly Shore and Andy Dick. Hilarious. Oh, yeah, oh no. she was in Free Willy. Shit. She's great. I think she's very convincing. Oh, I, she was in a league of I'm, not, I'm not saying she wasn't convincing. I'm just saying I don't think the role she played was so unique to her delivery that someone else couldn't have done it equally as well. Oh, Phil. If you didn't make cocktails, I don't know that you'd be here. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't Please know that I would that be. <laughs> I don't know that I would be either. To be honest with you, I'm just kidding. Obviously, I'm kidding. If you. We didn't have cocktails. I don't know that I would be. <laughs> oh, I would just be alone in your house, just letting myself in, playing the three parts. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Obviously, Phil is a is our national treasure here. Oh, what he a- is an institution. First bro category. I'm very proud of it. it. Actually, this came to me within seconds of starting point break. I can't wait. Gary Busey. Versus the entire Fast and Furious cast. Like, how so? (laughs) Fucking Gary Busey. He came back from the dead. He went to heaven and brought back information. What else do you need to know? Yeah, but Vin He had a short stint as a preacher. No, Gary Busey. You take it as you want. Go ahead, run, Phil. You go. Think about who Gary Busey is, who he embodies. I I know who he is. like you're trying to give a layup to Fast and Furious. (laughs) Yeah, I I would give this to Fast and Furious because, I mean, if we're talking about, like, physical, anyone in that cast would beat his ass, including Michelle Rodriguez and Jordana Brewster. Um, um, it's never just physical with Gary Busey, though. Sure. But, he brought um, back information. That's a weird matchup there. Um, I go Fast and the Furious just because I want to, so fuck off. I love it. <clears throat> go ahead. Man, I think Gary Busey was awesome in this movie. He, he was. Up. I loved him, man. I He just like had that hardened cop thing. Like I love a hardened cop. Don't yeah. you love a hardened cop? He has a callous voice, too. He's got that callous voice. he goes into the pool where he's like, he never in 20 years in the field have ever had to pick up bricks blind. <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> I was picking traps out of my ass. Just how he like takes, you know, he takes him under his wing and like, I just, he's a great, it's not a buddy cop movie, but it had a buddy cop vibe, you know, there for a second. And man. So I became a wax expert. (laughs) When when he died at the end, spoiler alert, I was so sad. I was so bummed. Every time. Motherfucker from behind too. Like it was cheap shot. Cheap shot. Like, and that's one thing you don't really talk about is that, um, Keanu or, uh, Utah could have saved him, but he didn't pull the trigger. It's kind of his fault. Yeah. Anyway, loved Utah. Utah. Loved Busey. I thought he was fantastic. I I mean, this category is kind of a cluster. I don't know what to do with this, but... (laughs) Kind of put some spirit animal vibes into it. You know what I mean? Then fuck it. I'm going to go Busey. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. 
Yes, yes. It, this, this is, it, I'll say this. I'll say this as my rationale. Busey made me feel more emotionally than anybody in Fast and Furious made me feel. Mm-hmm. So Fair I'll, enough. I'll leave it at that. This is obviously a, a ridiculous fun category, which I love, but I go, I gotta go Gary Busey because, first of all, it's my category. <laughs> but I love that Busey won this. is so weird. <laughs> He's like, listen, this guy said that he died on the operating table and came back from heaven with information. You know what I mean? He had a short stint as a preacher. Okay, but that has nothing. So, so you're genuinely talking about Gary the, Busey, the man. The man. The man Gary Busey. Well, I misinterpreted it, but no, I'm No, it could be the it. role. It could be anything. No, it could be anything. It's whoever, the Gary Busey in you. Whatever speaks to me. Whatever speaks to you, to the, the Gary, Gary Busey. in me is speaking to the Gary Busey in you. <laughs> yes. You know, I think about it in warfare. If they were going to fight like in a jungle, like you just can't trust Gary Busey. He's just like, he's going to, he may be one man, but something, he's not up to any good. I mean, he's got traps. He's got, he's got shit. You know, the meatball sandwich scene in Point Break is like, this place over here has great meatball <laughs> sandwiches. He yells out like after he's been completely clear, like the third time he sticks his head out of the wall. Two! <laughs> two Give me two. sandwiches. Yeah. What like, is Utah sandwich? Give me two. Yeah. Tastes so damn good, I could have gotten three. <laughs> I got you the one that looked like roadkill. <laughs> or, or when Keanu leaned over with that terrible idea and he was like, yeah, it's not a good idea. And then the, the awkward pause is like, but so-and-so is going to hate it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes! Gary Busey that is... That is true. I forgot about all that. And That's the man really has survived a helmetless brain surgery from a motorcycle accident. He's still alive today. He was in the show you guys got me on, Entourage. He was yes, hilarious he in Entourage. W- Dude, Dude well, Jeremy he- Piven seems like, you're going to spin off the fucking planet. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's so good. He's, like, he's, a, he's just, he's one of a kind. That's why I made the category. I'm sorry if that was Dude, weird for him y'all. him and Piven on the beach together. That's a legendary Because he's so stoic, scene. Isn't Busey just like really straight laced the whole time and like he makes everybody really uncomfortable? Yeah, and Piven comes up and he's trying to like make <laughs> well, small talk and he says some weird like, you know, spiritual r- thing and Piven's just like, ah, <laughs> you're going to spin off the fucking planet. I love you. <laughs> so good. Let's lean back a little bit into dr- tradition here. Earlier we talked about the evolution of action. We haven't really gotten into Bond or Dirty Harry, but, you know, picking up with what we know as the arc of action films, which is the better action movie? Um, I'll go Fast and the Furious just because I think it's a more enjoyable movie to watch. There's less, like, bizarre, egregious football beach scenes. Um, <laughs> no boundaries. I feel like Fast and the Furious told a more cohesive story more concisely versus Point Break, which is really really good. I love Point Break. Like, I have nothing against that movie. Um, I feel like you have to kind of, like, look past some of the clunkiness in the storytelling. I mean, I guess it kind of also depends on what you define as action. Like, if it's gunplay and, like, people shooting each other up, then obviously Point Break would win. But, man, the car racing scenes and just the uh, fun and adrenaline that comes from that, plus just the quality of the storytelling, I think Fast Mm -hmm. and Furious wins that one. Okay, true. I think that Fast and Furious better represents the genre of action to me there's just more energy I mean Point Break is it's fun and exciting in its own way but as an action movie I would rather watch The Fast and the Furious I obviously have leanings towards Point Break but I do agree with you guys and I would go Fast and Furious as well because I'm thinking about when these movies came out I was kind of confused when they both came out because Point Break is kind of like hey we're going to play beach football hey we're going to surf hey we're going to wear a mask and rob people hey we're going to jump out of a fucking plane hey it's just like keeps it keeps feeding you shit like we're not going to stop Yeah. and at the, now it's awesome but when at first, it's kind of like, whoa, oh, okay, it's very jolting, you know, but Fast and Furious is very, it's cars. And yeah, they do some other things. I think the later films start to introduce a lot more crazy some elements. Real weird stuff, I haven't seen yeah. all 14 of those, um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, I it's do, only 10, okay? 
I do think accessibility matters here. And I think Point Break, it's easy to say, wow, what a legendary film now. It's my favorite, one of my top 10, obviously. But Fast and Furious is accessible. It's containerized. It's It's got one set of mojo. And that's another reason that deviates really far from Point Break is Point Break is doing everything. Whereas Fast mm -hmm. Furious is like, this is a car movie. This is a movie about cars. Cars are in this movie. Yeah. So I actually do go to, to Fast and Furious for that reason. It's really kind of just what mood are you in? Yeah. Do you want to like a beach vibe with the ocean and surfing and? some presidents robbing a bank <laughs> or do you want you know some machismo yeah high some, adrenaline kind of like the LA like car shit you know it's yeah. a totally different feel so it's three to one point break and this is this is a fun category and so don't think about the characters themselves but think about the actors instead of just doing straight up Keanu versus Paul Walker I say who is the most overly underacted <laughs> <laughs> Who gets the overly Ooh. underacted? Because they both are notorious for underacting, it, right? Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Th this the is... Most overly underacted. Ooh. <laughs> They're both so similar in these movies, mm. like charming, boyish, like mm. kind of not good, but great at the same time. Right. Like, I, I, go, I go Keanu. I think he's, he doesn't, I think Walker delivers a far, like more. A complete performance. Yeah. Kind of. Like yeah. I wouldn't say better, but just he seemed more alive, <laughs> like sure. uh, more energetic. I don't know. Like, like I wouldn't say that he underacted. I don't know that it was good. Exactly. But it, it, but it wasn't like, is this guy awake? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, do I don't know. I, I guess what I think of, what I'm saying is when I think of Keanu, he, he, he just has this like aloof kind of like he's a half step behind everything else that's happening. Yeah. And I never got that. Paul it. Walker felt like sharp. He was like on it. Like he was like charismatic. He was mm. flirting with the waitress and like, he, you know, I don't know. Like he wanted the tuna. I, again, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that it was like great acting, but mm -hmm. it wasn't underacting to me. Yeah. So I'll go Keanu, I guess. I think Keanu for, uh, I guess for the same reasons, glad Drew went first because that convinced me. Um, Yeah. Paul Walker, it, it's so funny with both of these guys because they both, obviously Keanu for reasons uh, beyond his own control has gone on to have a more prolific career. That's an odd category because it it definitely speaks to both both of their criticized weaknesses as actors, but it's like who was the strongest at being the weakest? Yeah. And it was probably Keanu. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird category. Yeah, I love these mindfuck categories. No, I agree. And, and here's the thing. Keanu Lifer, we all know this, but Bill and Ted's excluded. He was supposed to be a goofball like he that is a goofball film i mean they had george carlin as a time machine expert yes, they and, did. but some of the some of the knocks and the you know like you know how people say on uh the matrix i know kung fu you know all the little knocks on him he has so many in this movie i am an fbi agent <laughs> yeah. i've got a jam yeah. <laughs> Cans. Cans. <laughs> they were just Cans. How many actors? I mean, Arnold, maybe a little bit. You can say all these random lines, but Keanu, he's just got this kind of resume of shitless things he said in movies. He's got his thing, dude. I and, love it. He's so delightfully Keanu. Yep, and I love it. And he gets he gets the point here because Paul Walker, he just has a more even thing, whereas Keanu, as perfect as he is, he does kind of have these funny, goofy things that come back to bite him later, yeah. especially Cans. That was legendary with Drew on the Speed <laughs> episode. Jam, Cans, agent. The way he says things, it makes me so happy. Uh, here's what I'll say about both these guys. Both great California guys. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
I, and to a bigger extent, both great California movies. Mm-hmm. Like really oh, yeah. encapsulate kind of the spirit of Cali mm-hmm. in different ways. Then you mm-hmm. want to go. Kind of like how Hateful Eight made us cold, like watching these movies. Like, I just want to go somewhere over the beach. Yeah. Like, well, mm-hmm. it kind of made me want more point breaks. I'm like, I want to follow Keanu's life. Much like, you know, Fast and Furious is like, here's 10 more movies. Yeah, Fast <laughs> like, and I Furious wish point break carried on into like a, you know, universe. That'd be dope. Four to one point break. Wow. This is crazy. Oh, so here's one funny thing. We talked about how, you know, Fast and Furious is a, is a possible ripoff of Point Break. How funny was it that both movies had notorious musicians in them? Did you think about that? Ja Rule mm-hmm. is in Fast and Furious. Anthony Kiedis, who at the time when Point Break came out, was hot, hot shit. The Chili Peppers. Same with Ja Rule. Yeah. Yeah. Both the time these movies came out. So Anthony Kiedis' performance versus Ja Rule's performance. Both not long, not big, but I'll start. Ja Rule was better. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, like <laughs> Anthony Kiedis was horrible. Listen, like Ja Rule, at least like was that you be... believed him, you know? And that listen <laughs> that scene where it's like, or if you lose, you get me, but if you win, you get her too. And Ja Rule, uh, this was something I think I only noticed for the first time watching it this time, and and in a very Kyle way. I've probably seen Fast and the Furious like two dozen times. Ja Rule looks like a little child behind the wheel of that car. He's just like slinked back, mm. and his head real low. It was really yeah. funny. But anyway, I thought uh, for the five minutes he was in that movie, he was Jaw Rule to the max and it was great. Jaw Rule's song at the end of Fast and Furious is sick. I actually love Jaw Rule. Same. Incredible. Yeah, he's got the deepest voice for no reason. I love it. So you're going Jaw Rule? Oh, yeah. I'll be honest. I had no idea that that was Ja Rule or Red Hot Chili Peppers. Neither are good performances. <laughs> They're both terrible. Atrocious. Can I? Do I have to choose one? Yeah, you do because I hated them both. Because they ja, both they both have popular musicians but who ja are both Rule at the was, time. Were, ja Rule in that movie was at least so Ja Rule. It wasn't what's even. What's the other guy's name? Jared Fetus? Anthony <laughs> Kiedis, motherfucker. <laughs> He's the lead singer of Red Hot Chili Dear Peppers. God. <laughs> I'm offended today. You guys are offending me. Jared Fetus. <laughs> Anthony fucking uh, Kiedis. Okay, I'm going Ja Rule because his name is way better. Than than fetus. <laughs> Kiedis, Kiedis always sounded like a donut to me, right? Sure. Actually, no, that's because there's a donut shop in Wayne's World called Nikita's Donuts. Okay. It sounds like Kiedis. Anyway, connection. This has been good. Uh, yeah. It has I'm glad really we did good. this. Yes. I actually went jaw rule too. I'm a giant Chili Peppers fan. Well, early Chili Peppers, not anything after Frashani left. But you know what's funny about this is that Fast and Furious gave jaw rule the ending song during the credits, but they let Anthony Kiedis not only act horribly in a shitty part in the movie, they didn't give the Chili Peppers a song on the soundtrack. <laughs> like, be in this movie and also fuck you. <laughs> Here's the thing. I just, for, for, and I think Point Break, I know it's not a perfect film for like film's sake, but for I mean, Kyle, it's a perfect film. Neither of these film. movies are perfect. But for Kyle, Point Break's a perfect movie, but there is a noticeable dip when Anthony Kiedis speaks in this movie. In the one <laughs> line where it, it, it takes you out. You're really good, Drew, at spotting things. Like, I've said things in the podcast, like, just don't take, don't take people out of the podcast. Like, I love that. He took me out of the movie for five seconds when he said, that would be a waste of time. Like, mm, you remember the shower yeah. when the Nazi guys are about to kick his ass? A noticeable drop off in quality. What was with the pregnant pause? Like that would be a waste of time. What the hell are you doing? Man? Is, Why are you in this movie? Just say the line. What are you doing? Whereas Ja Rule just walks up to Paul Walker and immediately assumes he's never raced before and is like, every good racer will tell you it's not about how you stand by your car. It's how you drive your car. And it's like, what, has he never done this before? Like, <laughs> You know, it's Four to two now. Jaw Rule may be. I'm looking at these upcoming these upcoming categories, and Jaw Rule may be the turning point that your film needed. <laughs> 
uh, Fast and Furious. Hey, man, I always try to be objective. You yeah. are. No, you're perfect at it. What gang would you, anytime there's a gang or a mob or whatever, we have to have this category. What gang are you going to join? You're going to join Dominic's or Bodie's? Are you surfing or are you driving? Oh, I've got it. I've got it Go. for you. I know what Dominic, you're... because family. The end. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Even though we hate our families. I couldn't think of two things I'd be worse at, to be honest with you, but... <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go, Dominic, just because I wouldn't have to take my shirt off. Is that oh, fair? I, I would. I mean, also, I would join the Toretto crew because I, dude, if I could have a life of crime where my crime was driving cars too fucking fast, sign me the fuck up. Yeah, I mean, come on, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it like that. I don't want to put on a president's mask and go like fucking rob banks. Yeah, I would rather be chased by cops for driving a fast car too fast. Fuck off. Yeah, I just I'd don't. rather be fast and furious. Fast yeah. and furious. So you're going fast and furious. Well, it doesn't matter what I say now. I knew this would be a turning of fortunes. The idea of wearing a president's mask and running around with a gun is kind of cool. Okay, let me ask you this. It's 2022. You're robbing a bank. You have to wear a president's <laughs> mask. What president? Ooh, Ooh I'm still going Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Mm. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. I just think he's underrated as a violence maker. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, he did. Yeah, he did have a lot to do wow. with a pretty significant war. <laughs> also, in Toretto's gang, he's got my number one car of all time, which is like the mid-90s Toyota Supra, which was like my dream car as a kid before Fast and the Furious came out. Then Fast and Furious comes out, and then the mm. main car in that movie is a Toyota Supra, and I just lost my mind. Because in Gran Turismo, my car was the Supra. They still make the Supra? Uh, it, they have a new one now. Mm. Yeah. It's a BMW Z4. I just got lightheaded when I coughed. That was really weird when I went bronchial just now. So here is a PSA about the new Supra <laughs> that everyone knows. It is a BMW Z4 that was taken by Toyota and completely retuned and retooled to be a Toyota. However, literally everything under the hood and in the cabin is BMW top to bottom. But that said do not let that take away from the fact that the new Supra is a fantastic vehicle worth your time and money. Well, when I drive my Camry, there's a little bit of that super blood flowing through those Camry veins. Exactly. Now, I go the speed limit. I've never gotten a speeding ticket. Can you believe that? Really? Yeah, never. I'm surprised I haven't gotten more speeding tickets. I am too. Especially with the number of fast cars I've owned. It is four to three. This means that Fast and Furious can make a comeback. This is anyone's game. Which parties do you want to go to? Both of these movies, it's crazy. Surf like they're on the beach, they're kind of bohemian, yet they are throwing slamming parties with Jimi Hendrix. No one's on acid, but they're dancing like they're on like peyote or acid. The freaking parties, like I, I know you're saying that the Fast and Furious parties are, or, or the thing is real, but where are they getting these people? And it looks like they went to a, a Los Angeles County prom and be like, y'all want to be in a movie? Bring your midriff shirts! And it's just like everyone's raving. It's I'll go. It seems like Fast and the Furious parties, everyone is, has bathed more recently. <laughs> 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 I love how you took that. I love oh, it. Oh, did not even. I'd rather go to that party. I was not expecting that. I love it. So you're going Fast and Furious. Yeah, I don't like sand up in my all my business. I yeah. love I love your angle. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Speaking of parties and then the aftermath of the parties, when Keanu is nailing uh, What's-Her-Face <laughs> on the beach, Tyler. all I could think about was the friction from the sand. Mm. So for that reason, <laughs> I go Fast and Furious. This is a tough category for me because I never really got invited to a lot of parties. For all I know, Fast and Furious, this is what the parties look like in Rogers, Arkansas, where I'm from. You know, people <laughs> raving on demand with their mid drifts. I don't know about um, that. 
But then again, the idea of going to a Bodhi party is scary because, like, at any minute, he's like, let's go rob a bank or let's jump off a plane or go surfing in the dark. It's very risky. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do feel like it's risky, but I do feel like Bodhi's gang would accept me because when Jimi Hendrix comes on, I'm going to do the weasel wave, just like that one guy, the guy that's doing the shoulder wave at the party. The, if six was nine, you know that Jimi Hendrix song? I'm down. Even if it means my detriment, I would rather be accepted than take the risk of going to the Fast and Furious party and no. No one talking to me because I drive a Camry. It doesn't matter what I do, though. And we are tied with one category left. But Damn, if you, these if are you good went worker. to the Fast and Furious party with your Camry, once everyone got drunk enough, they would start trying to help you make your Camry super fast. But I don't want to make it super fast. I don't want that in my life. <laughs> Everybody would be like, wait, you drive a Camry? I got some ideas for that. Yeah. And yeah. I'd be like, I hope they involved <laughs> increased you know much, gas mileage. <laughs> do you know how much boost that engine you, can, can you handle? make this a hybrid? Because right now it's straight gasoline. Can you? Can you make this a hybrid? Wow. Yeah, so don't funny. don't change me. Okay, I don't want to be changed. That's why I'm not going to your party. I don't want to be changed. <laughs> oh, he's going to the campfire at the beach. I want to go. I want to be accepted. Fair I enough. may die in the ocean getting eaten by a shark surfing at three in the morning, but at least accept me. Unlike my parents. <laughs> wow. Oh my I'm in a good mood tonight. <laughs> that was good. All right, four to four. I am frightened. I am frightened at what I'm seeing here. I am here. furious. I'm at the point I'm of breaking. breaking. Of I'm breaking. breaking. <laughs> I'm, it's going fast. It's <laughs> and the. The and. The also. <laughs> the and, and. And the. Definite article. So Jam. earlier we did the. Get <laughs> fast. It I was just a podcaster. Fast. So we did the actors earlier with the overly under, but take the actors out of it. Look at the characters. We're going to finish with the big one here. Utah versus Brian O'Connor. Big category. I'll start this time. Do it. I'm not going to go first. Listen. He is an FBI agent, and that's all you need to know. I love how adaptable he is. I love that he learns how to surf, even though he even though he acts like he was really bad at it at first, he still did better than I would ever do um, on his first take surfing than I would do on my thousandth take. Even though it was a little deceitful how he pretended his parents died to get good with Tyler, you know, that was some good cop work. He's an odd bird, and he you got those young FBI agents making fun of, uh, of uh, Pappas for thinking it's surfers. You know, he sticks out to me. He's unique, and I love him. I love you, Utah, so I'm going with Joe Montana's archetype. You know, one of my things about Fast and the Furious, as much as I liked it, is I feel like I it didn't feel like a cop movie. I couldn't, it, it didn't really, I wasn't clear for a long time into the movie what the hell, like, his role was and what he was, his motivation was. Maybe I missed something, but, like, it felt like Point Break made it very clear, like, this is a cop and he's, like, looking for a thing and, like, he's training after hours and he's digging it. Like, it was way more from the perspective of of the police and I just appreciated Keanu's character just his dedication like to sniffing it out figuring it out like he had no leads like had no idea what was going on and he just like went up and down the beaches until he figured it out. Like, and that was just cool. Uh, so if I'm just picking a character, I think I would go with him because it seemed like he was more dedicated to his craft. He definitely, he listened to wisdom. He paid him. I like what you said because he paid homage to, to Pappas who was older. Everyone thought he was crazy, like the stupid surfer thing. And he was like, there's something to this. And he, he went with it. And I also love the end. I still don't quite understand what the filmmakers were thinking when Utah let him go. Like, I think it was so he could, you know, die and, you know, doing the thing he liked. Cause I think at the end at the end they kind of felt like the same person inside like the badge was the separating thing but what does she say you have the kamikaze look I've seen it when she's talking about how similar here he is to Bodie I think was that it well I think I mean because he tossed his badge into the water mm -hmm. to me that was like he's like he let him go and also fuck this he's dead and also I'm yeah it felt like he reached a point where it's like this is kind of the precipice of my 
role as a cop. Mm-hmm. And through this experience, I realized I don't really want to do this. Like, because I love people like this. And it's, you know, like, it's not like he supports, you know, robbing banks, but at the same time, he doesn't want to he what impact that it had on him was too much for him to do it again. Mm-hmm. I know I already had my turn, but you made me think of this. I love how Utah, that is such a photographic ending. His hair is longer. He's covered in rain. He's t- slow motion tossing. How rock star is he with that such rock song? No one rides for free. And he's just slow motion. He's dripping wet. It was just, that was Keanu like icon imagery. Such a good ending, mm-hmm. dude. It yeah, was. So emotional. Like he lets us lets him go and the one thing I, I wish I had seen more about Lori Petty like what happened with her like the ending made me kind of want a 10 episode mm. Netflix series about yeah, what totally. happens with like he walks away the badge is in the water the dude dies what happens mm. next what does he do do he and Lori settle down what I hope they do I hope they do that's do they settle hope. up start, does he pair does huh? he start surfing more as like a, I think he does a career in surfing does he like what happens I know I, I love that idea because you know that's kind of the breaking bad thing where you know I hoped Jesse was okay after the show was over. Like, he yeah. was a character I thought about. Same with Utah. I was like, I just hope he's, like, surfing in peace and, like, family. Like, whatever peace is for him, I hope he has it. Like, I had that same feeling. Yeah. Well, and that's why, for that ending to work, that's why Busey needed to die. If Busey was still there, I don't think he throws the badge in. I yeah. Think he still kind of has that loyalty, but he lost his comrade, so he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't need this. And it was kind of his fault. Maybe that's another reason he throws the badge just because of guilt. Because twice he could have killed Bodie, and he doesn't. The first time uh, Angela wasn't near, but the second second time right such a good movie Man. we got deep there since my vote doesn't matter i'll just homer out for the movie that i like more <laughs> you um, spin out yeah i'll spin out for the movie i like more well as far as this it's funny that you bring up the thing about the cop thing being clear in point break because when i was watching both these movies back to back i thought it was interesting how in point break they aggressively made sure you knew he was a cop from the drop of the movie and they showed him like balls deep in the fbi thing and he's very involved in that and they kind of give the backstory to that on the flip side, the thing I loved about Fast and the Furious is that they didn't really tell you he was a cop until they arrest him on the side of the road and drag him in. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh shit, he's a cop. And like, he does it to save his friend. Well, no, he the re, uh, he just is a cop. And then he gets put on undercover duty because they're street racers that have been, you know, stealing millions of dollars worth of electronics from semis on the road. And so his goal, his thing was to infiltrate a street racing gang and figure out who was doing this. And that was kind of the whole, the rub of like John McGinley in Point Break being pissed that they weren't getting results fast enough versus the other dude in Fast and the Furious being pissed off that uh, Paul Walker's character wasn't getting results fast enough. Like he's he's in this gang. Like, is it Toretto? Is it this other thing? Is it the Asian gang? Is it this other, you know? So um, I it, this one to me is a huge toss up because they're both, they, they both do their thing really well. They both experience significant Stockholm syndrome of, of sort. They both fall in with the gangs and and gain a deep appreciation for the life that they're supposed to be persecuting in a way. I mean, I'll just go fast and furious to like cement my homerism, but um, they they were they both did a really great job. Side podcast idea exploring a side like bonus content exploring why Stockholm syndrome is such an interesting mechanism in films. Have you noticed that? Oh yeah, it the is. Idea well, of the idea of cop falling in like it's such an interesting mechanism. Well, it makes it's great that, movies. It's that because that tension, that emotional tension. Yeah, yeah, and it's also that awakening. I think that they're attempting to get out of the audience 
sense that the bad guys are a badge away from being the good guys or you know like I think Toretto's character showed this really well that like everyone thinks he's a loose cannon but it's only because he had this moment in his life where he saw the man that killed his dad and he just lost it yeah. like he wasn't a loose cannon he just lost on the guy who killed his dad it's like there's always mm-hmm. another side to the story and like while that's obviously been explored way deeper and more modern things like Breaking Bad and then the Marvel movies and all that um, I just uh, always love a, a, a multi-faceted antagonist you know I love that you brought that up because that was a moment that that movie needed it didn't need much emotional weight but Vin Diesel actually really delivered that oh dude that was a fantastic pulled me in. scene I, I think at that point I was like we got a car movie good well, action scene in the shed or whatever or yeah. The, uh, yeah. yeah it, pull, it yeah. pulled me in I was yep. like okay there's some depth here that's yeah. when I connected with him too wow five to four and I, I love these late these last three with these scorecards where we're getting obviously we pick crazy ass random categories with no intentions of them you know they could go nine they can go eight one they can go whatever but you know these close ones are fun so five four point break let's do some quick preferences drew man i just i just these movies are so cool like they just really like check a box and like fill a niche that is really needed i think in cinema if you're in the mood for a thing like they're, they're a very specific thing and i appreciate that about them i think personally i lean more towards point break i think honestly just because of the, maybe my age i'm more intoxicated by cinema that happened like before i was really able to even mm-hmm. take in cinema whereas if i watch a movie from early 2000s i'm like oh this shit came out when i was in high school yeah. and my idiot friends liked it and like <laughs> but like a movie that came out when i was a baby it's like it feels like something that happened before i was there and it feels like kind of untouchable and Ooh, like that's good man. i don't know like yeah i don't know what it is there's something more mysterious about like 80s and 90s to me for whatever reasons mm. it's, it's almost like that's, that's magical really interesting obviously for me i'm gonna go fast and the furious it's one of the few movie, movies that i can just if you say like hey do you want to watch fast and the furious i'm like fuck yeah man let's watch fast and the furious yeah. but at the same time like i would feel the same way about point break like the both of those movies are just fun and simple enough but it's i think it's the the uh, glorification of the subculture that really mm-hmm. makes those great because if they it was about like banking or some boring shit like that it wouldn't land but like you've got on one hand Count the surfing first yeah, I mean, you've got two subcultures that the vast majority of people don't, they're aware of it, but they don't know anything about it. And these mm-hmm. movies are both windows into those two things. And so I could take either of these on any day, but because of like the liferism that Fast and the Furious kind of garnered in me or whatever, I would go that route. But um, I think only because of my familiarity with it, it's Point Break is fantastic in its own right. And for the, a lot of the same reasons, to be honest. So. You, you had me at liferism. And they're just so cool. Like, yeah. Like surfing is so cool and like aesthetically beautiful. And oh like, yeah. Like you just admire it. And then like driving car racing cars, like what's cooler than fucking cars being raced? Like yeah. that's so modified cars. Cool yeah. and aesthetically it's making it your own like and cars yeah. that you see on the road every day that are souped up. It's like I have a Honda, but my Honda doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. It's, it's yeah. like, I've been to the beach with my kids. I've never done that yeah. on the water. <laughs> exactly. you know, like, like, I have a president's mask. I've never robbed anybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, the past three podcasts specifically have done something really cool. I kind of went in, not dreading fat, the Fast and Furious, but just kind of like feeling like my nostalgia for Point Break was going to be so strong. But just like the other two, we did Star Trek and Star Wars Force Awakens, and then I became a huge Star Trek fan. So mm-hmm. it converted me. I For Hateful Eight and 
True Grit, all of a sudden I'm like, I can't wait to watch more Westerns. I couldn't wait to finish all the Clint Eastwood movies, which I still haven't because I haven't had time, but I'm like aching to get back to that. And now I'm like, well, now mm. I want to watch all the other Fast and Furious films. Like, I'm like, I was like, I get why this movie is so popular. And it's not everything I thought it was. I thought it was going to be really hyperbolic, armpit, annoying. Just, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't it's that not. at all. It stays, it's, it's just like Point Break in that it stays in its lane and it, and it knows what it is and it's not trying to be so serious. It's not trying to be so, like the that scene we talked about with Vin Diesel with talking about his dad and like mm -hmm. that was just enough drama, right? Johnny Utah kind of playing on Tyler's feelings about her dad dying. That was enough drama. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? They knew how much they needed. And I, I love that because not every movie has to be, a, and I you know I love, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis and the greats, but not every movie has to be that. These serve a great purpose in life. Um, and lastly, what I'll say is, you know, the new Point Break remake had, so I think Point Break in 91 had like an $80 million budget. The, the new one they remade, I think it came out in 2015, had a $110 million budget. And it bombed. Not only, it wasn't just the Rotten Tomatoes thing, it had a 12%, but fans from the old guard came out in rave and hated this film so much. And I think it's because of why? this. Why? Why would you remake that movie? Oh, I know. You know why? You can't, this is going to sound cheesy. This is another thing I've learned on this podcast. You can't recapture lightning in a bottle. How often do people get struck by lightning? 100% agree. Getting struck by lightning twice in your <sighs> lifetime. Yeah. Never happens. Well, at least conceptually, I can understand why you would remake a movie where technology plays a huge role. Yeah, but Point Break was very organic. Yeah. Was there any CGI in Point Break? No, Maybe not in the some original. Of the waves? Hell no. No, Even with James I mean, Cameron on board. Like, why would you remake something that technology plays no part in? Like, mm -hmm. is it making any sense? Even the skydiving. It's like remaking, let's yeah. remake The Godfather. It's like, why? Like, yeah, why? Yeah, don't you, do We already that. told that story. Even though they jumped out of a plane, they it wasn't real skydiving, but they had an airlift thing that simulates it. So they were actually floating, but they were just floating. Like, even that was not like green screen CGI. That was them in the sky, but just in a controlled environment. Got it. I was actually wondering about that. I always beat this drum, but the lack of resources, the lack of budget, the, you know, we don't want this actor, we want this guy, all that stuff ends up making movies that we want to talk about. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like- Because there's a story behind it and there's, mm -hmm. because those movies that don't have the resources and don't have the budget, there's that there's something else driving that. And as cheesy as this sounds, it's a passion from somebody behind the project. Yep. And yes. you can usually see that coming out in the artistry or the film or anything revolving around that movie. There's a passion driving that project forward versus mm. just a money grab. True. You know? Great True. point. Yeah, because when you can't lean on money, you have to lean on, like you said, creativity, artistry. Yeah. 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 Resourcefulness. Yeah. Well, this was a blast. I mean, we always have fun, but I don't know why. Maybe because I ate before and I only had one cocktail, but man, we were on. I loved it. <laughs> I always love it. They're, when... they're fun movies. Yeah. They're not serious mm -hmm. films. Did well, anybody else feel like them. these movies felt further apart than 10 years? Yeah, for sure. Yes. It was the lighting to me. But they were exactly like 10 years could have come out in like early 80s mm -hmm. and the music Fast and Furious could have come out in like 2012 or something. Like, yeah. They, they felt like, but they're only 10 years I apart. I mean, they had Limp Bizkit playing multiple it's times true. through Fast and Furious. So that's when like, oh yeah, this is a newer movie. They got rolling, 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 and then like Point Break is like, no one ride for free. You know, it's like, but uh, anyway, thank you for hanging out. What a fun day. Go grab a surfboard. Uh, go be young and dumb and you know, all that shit. I'm Kyle. I'm Drew. And I'm Phil. That's a four cylinder. <laughs> is my Camry a four cylinder? Yes. 
Thank you for supporting Movie Wars. We have one more small ask. For just $7 a month, that's right, the price of one measly latte a month, you can support us on Patreon. This will get you access to special content, one-off episodes, and even live Q&As with the hosts, myself included. Also, more money helps us make more content, more episodes, drop stuff more frequently, and just get better all around. Not to mention, it'll feed our children. And isn't that what it's all about? The children. I'm gonna drop the link in the episode description. If you're on Apple, on Spotify, you can go to that episode description and find that link to our Patreon. Also, if you are on social media, we are active on all platforms, but we are especially active on TikTok. Find us at Movie Wars Podcast on TikTok. Thanks again for your support. We love you. Bye.